Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. I was on Twitter a couple of days ago and I came across a tweet that I couldn't believe what I was reading. It stopped me in my tracks. It was from a woman called Rebecca Ariadon. Um, She has a four-year-old daughter who has autism and she was actually asked by the HSC to monitor her daughter's bowel movements in order to justify the free nappies she was getting. I couldn't believe what what I was reading. Um, And we hear a lot of this on this show about services letting down parents of children with disabilities and it's always heartbreaking. Rebecca has generously agreed to come on the show tonight to talk about the story behind this tweet and explain what happened. Rebecca, thank you so much for taking our call. Uh, How are you doing? Um, Good, yeah, no problem, yeah. Um, The reason why I'm calling you, Rebecca, is I couldn't believe a tweet that I read. It was up on your um, ex account and it said... I thought being asked to weigh my disabled daughter's nappies to justify why she needed five a day instead of four was the most degrading experience at HSC Live could inflict, but they somehow continue to outdo themselves again and again. I can't be reading that right, can I? Like, that's incredulous. That's the first thing I thought when I read that tweet. I, 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 yeah, I think that people's reactions to it, I think somehow you, I think as a parent, you get desensitised, um, over time, to what the what the HSE is capable of, I suppose, yeah. or not, or not capable of, as the case may be. Um, yeah, you get a little desensitised to it over time. Like, I suppose, I, I, I nearly didn't. I, I mean, I was kind of, I was kind of surprised by people's kind of shock, I suppose, because I mean, obviously it was unpleasant, but I nearly kind of. You kind of forget that other people don't have the same experiences as you. Yeah. Um, because you know, like, so what would have happened was a few a few weeks ago we would have moved to a new area, mm-hmm. um, and our daughter, um, she uh, she has epilepsy and autism and an intellectual disability. Okay. So um, through the medical card, she would be given um, like nappies. And she's um, four, isn't she, Rebecca? She is. Yeah. 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 So. Um, so she gets nappies on her medical card and she kind of, you know, she's gotten those for almost a year now, I'd say. Um, and we've never kind of, we've never had any issues with this. Um, our public health nurse was lovely. Um, we just, we moved to a new area and I rang them and asked if they could move the order over. And they said, yeah, that's no problem whatsoever. And I didn't really think any more of it, but they didn't arrive. So I rang back and I just said, look, you know, what's 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 up um and in fairness i mean they're they're so lovely and i in no way whatsoever is this their you know the staff in the hsc there's so many lovely staff but it's just it's policy issue it's a policy issue rebecca it's very rarely those on the ground that are the ones who um, are unpleasant to deal with and i'm sure for them as well they're going i can't believe i'm gonna have to turn this down because you asked for four Sorry, you asked for five instead of yes. your normal, your the four that you were getting. Oh, but they turned you down, did they? We were always getting five. Oh, you were getting five? We were okay. always getting five. And um, we were always getting five. And it was just that when we moved to a new area, um, it flagged on the HSC's computer. Like, I didn't know that there was a limit of four a day. I just said five is what we need. And I didn't think any more of it. Yeah. Um, and it had never been an issue before. But kind of basically, they came back and said, look... 
where there's budget constraints, um, we're going to need you to do kind of like a continence assessment. What? Um, what is that? I, I wasn't too sure, to be honest with you. And I said, well, what's involved with that kind of thing? Um, and they said, basically, we need you to do a diary of input and output. What does that mean? What is in- OK, I know what output is. What is input? So how much fluids your child is drinking. OK, so you're um, being judged on that. And then yeah. output? Yes, and then output. Um, so... Um, I was like, well, you know that the order is for nappies. So, like, how how would one get output? I mean, how could you even measure output yeah. in a nappy? And they were like, oh, well, you know, you can you can wait before and after. Ah, uh, they weren't being serious. Now, as I said, lovely person. I just simply said, there is no there is no way I'm doing that. I'm. I was like, I'm. I understand this is not your. You know, she's like. Very apologetic, very apologetic, said this happens sometimes, you know, I'll deal with if you know, don't worry about it kind of thing. And I just said, look, I'm not I'm not doing that. Um, that's horrendous. Like, I just, I'm, Rebecca, I'm not doing that. Rebecca, that, that is, it's horrendous, it's degrading. And like, all that aside, which is, I, I don't think we should put that aside, but let's put that aside for a minute. Where do you find the time to do that? Every parent knows how busy you are. And then you have a child with additional needs as well. So I'm sure weighing a nappy before and after isn't going to be a priority. You you don't have time to do that. No. And in fairness, you know, measuring, measuring input and output, like what are those numbers going to tell us? Yeah. I mean, what will I do? Restrict fluids to to use less nappies? Like, I mean, what I just, I don't understand what, what the information could have possibly told them and it's you not, know and look I understand like every department everyone has budgets that they have to keep to right but at the same time this is a necessity this is nappies what are you going to do with you know instead of four the fifth nappy what are you going to do you're going to stockpile those and sell them to a neighbor that is not oh. what you're doing you know I mean am I selling them on the black market yeah. it's just so <laughs> it's so it's outrageous unbelievably degrading and belittling and just ugh, you know and it just it was just cherry on the on the on the cake of of the experience that we've had with them because i suppose i think you know i mean like i kind of i kind of brushed it off at the time and actually the reason the reason that i had actually sent out the tweet was because it was all of the things coming together on top of that that i just went you're all you're kidding me here lads you're just because, what, how much more insulting can the situation get? You because know? on top of that, Rebecca, um, you your daughter has a, a healthcare worker. She's got a disability team that is assigned to her. Has she met the team yet? No, uh, never. How long never. has she been on that waiting list to chat to the team? Um, well, now she. We went. To, <clears throat> this is a. It's a messy one. So. Um, basically, what happened was she was she was referred to this service as a baby. Yeah. Because she started having seizures when she was seven months old. And, you know, then we found out that, you know, she had a kind of a genetic, there was a genetic kind of reason for it. Um, so they knew she was going to need some support. Um, we just, you know, they were, they, we came along at the wrong time, so to speak, um, where they were reconfiguring to this new system called progressing disabilities. Um, and what's so that? It's the new system for, it's the new system of children's disability services. Okay, yeah. 
And the idea was that um, it was supposed to be um, a needs-based service and not a diagnosis-based service. Mm-hmm. That, was the, that was the idea behind it. And there was going to be 91 local teams throughout Ireland. Um, and, you know, because it used to be that, you know, you might have a service which the dis- children's disability services used to be like, you know, Enable Ireland might deal with physical disabilities, co-foundation might deal with intellectual disabilities. Um, and then you tended to have children kind of in the middle who tended to get a little bit lost. Yeah, yeah. So in theory, it sounds like a great idea. Um, in practice? In practice, it has been the biggest disaster and f- disaster in the history of the state. I think it would, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm being dr- dramatic. Um to say that, I, I think any, any parent of a child with a disability in this country would agree it was supposed to create equity of access. Yeah. And that it's the only, the only equity that it's created is an equity of a lack of access. Because yeah. whereas before only certain children would, you know, be able to access services, now no children get anything. <laughs> because, because, you know, if you try and make 91 local teams... They're not. I mean, it's not. It's not possible for, you know, your local team to be, you know, um, to have a, a great grasp of every disability. So what what you're finding right now for you, it is definitely not working for you and your family. And I think reading your tweet, as I said, I I was one shocked and then really upset and then. I got upset as well because I went, what is it in this day and age where unless we take it to social media, unless we take it to the media, it feels like the case isn't being heard. Were you, was, your, was your case resolved after you spoke out about this? Honestly, no. I mean, okay. th- this, is the, this is the thing. I mean, I think in Ireland, if you, in Ireland 10 years ago, Disability services, you went to the media and it was resolved mm-hmm. overnight. You know, that's just a fact, really. Yeah. Um, whereas we are, we are in a situation now where the system is so broken in ways that I don't think the vast majority of people understand just how, how broken it is or how long it's going to take to fix. And it doesn't make any difference. Like, I've not even had a response to the emails I've sent about it. This is a really stupid question, so please um, excuse the question I'm about to ask, but what toll does this take on you? Because, you know, you're not only just getting to parent, you're having to advocate, and then you're having to give up your anonymity. You're having to share your family's story with the world. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it takes a lot from you emotionally. It's degrading beyond belief, and it's constant. It's absolutely constant. You know what I mean? Like, my daughter deserves better. Yeah. She, like, this is, this, and that, to be honest, that's the reason I kind of sent the tweet. I was very angry, but I was also, I wasn't just angry for her. I'm also angry for, because I, I know, I, because people have contacted me to say, this isn't happening just for children. This is happening for older people. This is happening for, you know, people's grandparents. You know, um, and like, the idea... The, the reality is that there I can't imagine how many people there are out there right now who are buying expensive continence products because yeah. they don't want to have to justify how many they use a day to the public health nurse. But that's the thing, isn't it? It's the justification of 
you're living. And as I, as we keep saying, it's not like you're going to go sell these on the black market. They are a need. They are a genuine need. And I'm sure that you are probably underestimating at five a day. There might be some that might be three a day. There might be other times where there's six or seven a day. Would that be well, right? Yeah, like, I mean, this is it. And the, 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 most, the most depressing part of the whole situation is the only reason that we had been needing the five a day is because, like, a year ago, she had aspirated during a seizure. She had, it, you know, basically what that meant was what, during the seizure she had been sick, but she had kind of choked on it and had gone into her lungs. And thankfully she was fine, but she got a really bad fright from it. Yeah. And it, we couldn't just be like, oh, it's fine, you know, everything's fine now. She was a bit traumatized from it. And basically she stopped eating and drinking. Um, and that was the point at which her her children's disability network team should have stepped in and supported her. But they didn't have the staff to do that. Um, so she was discharged and went back in. And it was up to the hospital to deal with an issue which wasn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily a medical issue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, a doctor in A&E can't really do anything apart from stabilise, apart from medically stabilised. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So then that led to, well, what can we do in the meantime until somebody helps oh, well, we can give this child, you know, high doses of laxatives because obviously they're not taking in enough fluids and we can put them on anxiety medication in the hopes that they become less anxious around food. Oh, Rebecca. And here we are, oh, a year and a half later, still on those medications, still having never seen anybody and those short-term measures are indefinite. And so, obviously, you know, I'm sitting here then and I'm saying they want me to justify to them why these nappies are needed when the only reason this extra one is needed or whatever is due to their complete and utter failure to provide the most basic care. And I think you're right. There. And I think um, what what must be frightening as well is, you know, th- this this is one thing. I'm sure there are other services that are needed. Is your whole life just a constant battle with the state? Yeah, to be honest with you. I mean, um, to put it into perspective, um, like my daughter has already had a, a case, a legal case taken against the state on her behalf. Because that's the only reason she got a diagnosis. Like we, we took, we had to take the case in her on her behalf, under the disability to to vindicate her rights under the Disability Act, um, and get an assessment for her so that she could get into school, to, to get into the special school that she she needed. So you're fighting for absolutely everything. It's it's a constant. It's because you see, like like my daughter is. Like, I couldn't tell you how funny she is. Yeah. She's amazing. She's the light of our lives. Like, we couldn't, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't change her for, you know, all the money in Ireland. Like, she's no. absolutely hilarious. I, I, I just couldn't think of a single thing I would want to change for her, except for the fact that she doesn't have the support. But the, the only thing, the thing that has broken us, I suppose, over these last couple of years, it hasn't been her it's been the complete and utter lack of support. It's been the gaslighting. It's been mm. 
the lack of services, the lack of support. It's the fact that, you know, I mean, I had to leave my job when she, when her seizures started and I haven't been able to go back. And it's not just her care needs. It's it's literally, it's the paperwork. Yeah. It's the escalate this complaint to this person. It's escalate this person. You know, it's go meet this politician. It's go, you know... It's keeping receipts of every single interaction you have with every single person because you're they're always going to say, oh, no, I sorted that. I sorted that. And you're going, how? It's, it's mad because they're taking away the joy. The joy that, you know, the time that you could spend together is being spent in keeping the receipts, in in fighting for everything that you need. What And it's not up to you to come up with the, the solution, Rebecca, but any of us listening right now, like, I feel so helpless for you. Is there anything we can do? Honestly, like, it's a difficult one because I, I do honestly believe that we've gotten to the point I, where people have kind of thrown their hands up and said, oh, it's unfixable. But what I think is really important to, to do in this situation is that when these stories come out, as they often do, and they sound absolutely crazy, and you think, this can't be true. Yeah. I've yet to see one that isn't. Honestly, I have, I'm yet to see one that isn't. And I think support par- listen to parents and listen to the staff on the ground. I'm not talking about listening to the statements that come from the ether, but listen to the, listen to the staff that are leaving the sector in their droves and uh, you know, and speak to them about why they're leaving in their droves, because you know families are are families want these these staff to stay. But frankly, you can totally understand why they're leaving. I wouldn't want to work there. No, it's it must be soul destroying. It really must be absolutely soul destroying. But then, I mean, like, because I'm going in there and I'm at my breaking point and I'm you know absolutely up to my eyeballs and and begging and pleading and crying, right? And then they're coming into work and they've got whatever is going on in their own home and they're coming into work and, and, and they're face-to-face with me crying my eyes out and then 10 minutes later, they're somebody else crying their eyes out. I I mean, I couldn't personally deal with that. I wouldn't be, I don't think I'd be able to. And I, you know, and it's constantly saying, oh, well, you know, this child needs this. Oh, sorry, we can't give that because of budget. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is a this is a wealthy country. We have an excess of billions, and yet, you know, it's, we keep talking about the the money, and you know, oh, the state has loads of money. It's not about money. It's just that we can't recruit people. But it's not about that. It's about can we retain them? And if we can't retain them, why? Yeah. And also, it, to be totally honest with you, as a parent. The constant discussion about, oh, we have, there's loads of money to solve this issue, it's really insulting. It's insulting because it, 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 it kind of gives the message that you taking away my, my four, four years of my family's life has a monetary value. It doesn't. Yeah, no. I will never get that time back. All the children who will never have their futures realized all of the children like there are children like my daughter who are starting in special schools they've never had a single public therapy appointment in their entire life and what are we going to do when those children are adults that's what i was going to ask you rebecca like it's it's so depressing now does it get and i hate having to fast forward you to this point but does it get scary thinking what happens when she turns 18 
I know, I know that my daughter will be, will be absolutely fine. Yeah. I know that she will be because we are so lucky. You're her parents. A community. Yeah. We've made our own community. We've made our own community. Um, And I know that we'll, that we'll figure it out because I suppose I'm a very pragmatic person and, you know, I've looked into, you know, you know, financial trusts and everything like that and just looked into it all until I, you know, I, I, I love to kind of gather information and data and that's, that's what kind of, I love that, that is what makes me feel a bit more. In control? Less, yeah, in control of the situation. Like I'm doing the best that I can in getting the information, trying to figure out, you know, I'm kind of inputting what I can to the situation to try and make it better or whatever. Um, so there's that. But you see, the thing is, with our daughter, it was something genetic that we knew was likely, she might likely have because it was there was something in the family. Mm-hmm. But like, so we went off and we didn't listen to anybody when they said, oh, wait and see. And wait and see is one of the, the those phrases that drives me crazy when it comes to children. Um, because yes, we, we kind of, even, even if a child is, is very delayed, everyone will say, oh, they'll catch up in their own time. You know, my next door neighbor didn't talk till they were 20 and now they're in Mensa. You know, I laugh because not that it's funny, but because people do, it's almost like, because they don't have, they they don't know what to say. They say something as ridiculous as that. They think it's comforting, but it's not, it's not comforting and it's not helpful because then you feel, oh, I'm just a neurotic mother. I'm just a neurotic parent. You're not that at all, Rebecca. Whereas even, it's, but it's not. And I remember, like, uh, you know, because we had that knowledge that it was that it was a genetic thing, we went off and we ignored everybody and we, you know, we started working with our daughter from when she was about 12 months on certain things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we were right in there. Um, and we, because, you know, this is, the thing is, like, what is the worst thing that can happen with early intervention? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. getting in there early and supporting a child with multiple different communication types, that's never going to be a bad thing. And I think, I think that that's part of it, you know, is part of our dismissal and not validating parents' concerns yeah. when they have them in the early days. Trust your gut. Just trust your gut. If you think that there's, because people kind of think I'm de- demented, but before my daughter started having her seizures, I knew when she was about four or five months that something was going on. I knew it in my heart. Yeah. I knew that she needed extra help and I wasn't quite sure why or what it was, but I knew there was something. I knew she needed help and I knew that it was going to be a fight to get it. But I can honestly say I didn't realise that it was going to be this soul-destroying. And Rebecca, Rebecca, I'm so sorry that you're having to fight this hard and that the, the effect it's having on you and your family, you must be exhausted. Uh, sure. To be honest with you, it's, it's just... It is what it is at this point. I'm kind of desensitised to it, really. <laughs> yeah, which is horrible that it gets to that point, isn't it? It is. Like, I mean... It's just, I think, I think before, I think when, I think before I was in this situation, because she's, she's my second child. Yeah. I think that I am, and I think that a lot of people do it, is you kind of, you kind of make yourself feel better by saying, okay, but if they really, really needed it, like if things were really bad, Mm -hmm. the help would be there. Yeah. And then when things go really, really wrong, 
you just go you, and you realize that nobody there's 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 no safety nets whatsoever um that's when it's when it's worrying and i suppose like the, that's what we kind of try and do with fuss ireland is um because the information is so inaccessible and especially when you're so completely exhausted and burnt out all the time yeah the yeah. information is not in one accessible place like there's not one website which is baffling there's not one website that says oh you have concerns about your child's development here's what you need to do there's that's nothing mad. like that that's which mad, is, isn't it makes it? no sense like if you try and see um a breakdown of what a, of what children's disability services look like you wouldn't, you'll not be able to find it you know there's there's different pathways and avenues and and when people kind of come to us um we just kind of offer them peer support we offer you know we crowdfund answers basically we go to the wider internet and we say hey this mom is having this problem this yeah. dad is having this difficulty who has an answer and we get a lot of the time we actually get staff messaging in with answers well do you know this is why sometimes i think the people who make decisions those in power should actually be experiencing or have experience of what they're making decisions about. That's it. Because I think I think as well that this whole mess has gotten to the point where the people who are making these decisions are so far removed from the people that they affect. Yeah. Um, that it's frightening. It's really and truly frightening. Because the people on the ground in communities, the, you know, the people at the local children's disability team, the nurses, they don't want to come to work for this. I mean, nobody gets into children's disability. No. They don't get into this area because they want to kind of screw people over. No, not like, at all. They're the most just, caring people who come into this profession generally. Yeah, and and they just, they don't want this. And they're that's why they're leaving. It's, yeah. it's why they're balloting for, it's why they have voted for industrial action. Yeah. Well, look, Rebecca, um, I, I don't have words to make this better, but I just, sure. I, yeah, I just want to say you're amazing and thank you. Thank you so much. It really is heartbreaking listening to Rebecca tell her story. And while she was, um, a listener has texted in to say, I'm listening to your caller about her fight for her daughter with disabilities. I work in the sector for the last 15 years and my heart is broken for the family. I know your fight and you are going to have to keep fighting. I know how hard the fight is as staff on the front line, as staff on the front line, are also advocating and fighting. Staff are so disillusioned, underpaid and treated so bad that the government doesn't even recognise us as a sector, but keep fighting as it is an election year. Terry, welcome to Ireland's Classic Hits Radio. How you, how you doing? Now, I, look, I have two, I've two um, things here. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I fought the system. I have a son, he's 33 years of age. Yeah. And he was involved with the psychiatric services since he was three. Mm-hmm. And for his entire first 15 years of his life, I actually had to fight the system. Like that girl was talking about. But in the end, what I done was, I, I knocked out all of the middlemen. And I actually used to write to the minister. The minister for education. The minister for disabilities. There's no point in talking to the little boys. You need to go to the head honcho. And would they and listen, they, Terry? Well, they actually, I actually would say to you, my son got, a, got uh, indefinitely suspended from a school mm-hmm. when he was 11. And I actually informed the minister by writing 
by by a letter, and he was he was out of school for about a year and a half. And next of all, there was no school finding on all of this, and there was a big thing with the the Department of Education and all that. And they they said nobody knew. And I pulled out a letter, and I says, "Well, I said you didn't know, I said, but I wrote to the minister, and I got a letter from the minister. Mm-hmm. Have it here. Do you know my son was allocated a, a classroom? Now he never got to avail of it because, like that girl is saying, it takes a lot of years to get stuff. Yeah." It's a fight, it's a fight, it's a fight. By the time they built a school in, in uh, Lucina Clinic in John in Rakar for my son, my son never availed of it. But the other kids that came behind him did because they built a classroom, a toilet, a kitchen. Wow. Exclusively, exclusively. But that was the, the fight I had to put. Right? Now, so, you know, people later on... Um, might reap the benefits of the fight that has went on beforehand because I I can sorry I can say to you we my mother is nearly ninety yeah and I will say to you from people previous maybe fighting for their loved ones years mm-hmm. ago we went down to watch Daniel O'Donnell there the other night down in Cavan. Okay. Yeah. Now, my mother didn't have a wheelchair because she doesn't use one, but she can't walk real far. Mm-hmm. Now, the hotel was long enough. We got to the hotel, though, and the people in the hotel had availability of a wheelchair. Put my mother into it. Now, she says, I'm not, I don't want to be getting into that wheelchair. <laughs> we put my mother <laughs> Of course she did. <laughs> right? Yeah. And next of all, she got treated like royalty. She yeah. got treated ex extremely well by now I know that this is this is not a day service but this is this is a hospitality section that has learned how to treat people with yeah. disabilities from somebody else's struggle yeah um, sorry go on Terry if they brought us we got into a little different access of the hotel for for my mother to be able to see the show now she did never got up into our chair you know because my sister and my sister were at the back now in saying that they, they actually got to shake hands and hug Daniel O'Donnell and all because he went down the back. Oh, what get a moment. Over side, yeah. Right? yeah. But when we were finished the show, we were coming out and the manager of the hotel called us because my mother's in the chair. And not because we could walk. It was basically because they could see my mother like. Yeah. And they said, do you want to get a photograph with him? And there we are, all smack in the middle with Daniel O'Donnell. Ah, all horrible. That's amazing. <laughs> Terry, <laughs> Terry, can I get you to hold there for a sec? Because I just want to bring Malcolm into this yeah. conversation. Um, Malcolm, how? what services did you need to access? Um, well, my son is 22 mm-hmm. um, with autism and he has no services the 13th of April of this year. And since he joined the, uh, the adults, services he has received um, over the last four years and um, a few hours here and there and um, nothing he's funded for 30 hours yeah but he's not receiving any of them hours since the 13th of april and why uh, why is he not receiving any of the hours malcolm um unfortunately there was an incident um with his service provider and um he's he's not receiving any service since then. Um, it was a bad experience. Um, my son will not sit in a, a service van with his service provider anymore. 
Yeah. Um, so um, I've been in contact with the HSE um, to see why since 2019, since he joined the Adult Service, or his service, um, why he's not getting his allocated uh, hours. And what so, have their response been? Um, basically, it's not as easy as I, 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 I it's not as easy as I think. Uh, basically, um, the, the hours that he's giving, um, they're putting it down to um, lack of uh, staff um, and a lot of other issues then as well on top of that. You know what I mean? So, Malcolm, it, it just yeah. seems like your whole life, and Terry has been the same, it's just fight, fight, fight for what is a requirement. It, it, it's something that you're said you're entitled to, but you're bit, even yeah. having to fight for what you're entitled to. I got on to uh, Minister Anne Rabbit over the last one or two weeks and um, I've asked, spoken to our staff and yeah. I've asked her to ring me and I'm still waiting on a phone call from her side. Um, my son is without a service since the 22nd the 13th of April. I have a wife today who went for her third MRI scan. And she's a full-time carer um, and she has no help. I work in a full-time job um, 12 hours every day. Um, I'm full-time. She's a full-time carer. I'm a full-time worker. So anytime I'm off, I spend with my son. So with his service provider, um, I won't mention him, but the only stipulation that um, over COVID times, if a person went shopping, they they had to wear a mask. My son was complaining to wearing a mask, but his service provider did not want to bring him out. Um, So um, all I can say is my son is regressing at home without a service. Yeah. you know what I mean? He's a good lad. You know what I mean? He loves going on social outings. Mm-hmm. And he likes going to, to the pubs. He likes going swimming with myself. And he likes going to different places. But I've asked the, the point, or I've asked a question, where is my son's funding going? You know, he's, he's not getting the service. Where's his money going? That's actually a great question, Malcolm, because you're right. He's down for 30 hours of this service. And that's a great question to ask because they should be able to come back to you with an answer. So what answer were you given to that? I wasn't given any. I was told by um, the HSC that basically it's not as easy as I thought. You know what I mean? As far as I can see, right, um, the service provider are given a group um, a kind of a, a collective group of money, okay, yeah. that had been sanctioned by the HSE, given to his service provider, but every child or adult, well, adult in this case, because he's 22, you know, it's, they don't get their their funding, correct funding. You know what I mean? So, they don't get their friend. Yeah. So, Malcolm, you've been told, yeah. like, part of the fight is we, we know there's a lot of steps to the fight. The first step is being recognised, going, yes, this is what your son is entitled to. So you got that fight and you won that yep. fight and they were like, yes, your son is yep. entitled to this. So yep. even when you're told what you're entitled to, 
it's not a 100% guarantee that you're going to get it. So you have to continue fighting. The last meeting we had with the last meeting we had with his service provider was basically he, he was getting fifty two hours because he goes out on one one to two bases. So he was getting fifty two hours, okay? So he was they were going with a business plan to seek an additional eight hours to bring it up to sixty. Yeah. But yet he lost hours. How how are you and your wife feeling, Malcolm? Well, my wife went for her tour MRI scan today. I'm sorry to hear. Yeah, okay. So, um, my son is, you know, to be fair, since he's gone, since he's provided service provider, he's a happier child, okay? Yeah. We're in the process of seeking an, uh, a neuroservice provider, but that could take an additional number of weeks to... I suppose to they have to go over the visit time to the HSC, mm-hmm. and we have to come down then and wait for them. But I could take into the new year. You know what I mean? We don't know. Like we're not young people. And um, my son is twenty-two. You know what I mean? He's a happy man. You know yeah. what I mean? That he's gone from his service provider. You know what I mean? He's traumatized from his last instance in he in the bus. You know what I mean? He's a happier child now. Yeah. Um, well, child, I call him, he's, he's my son, he's an adult, 22. Ah, he'll but always be your child though, won't he? <laughs> always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we're not, we're not getting any younger. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, all, all, all I can say is he's a happier boy now than he was in the last number of months. Te- Terry, you've been hearing Malcolm chat there. Um, you said your, ch- your I was going to call him your child. You said your son is 33. Um, You've been fighting this a long time as well. Do you have any advice for Malcolm? It's interesting to hear the man. I know that my son went through the the children, like um, kids, kids services. Mm -hmm. And when he hit 16 years of age, there was no, like, there was no mental health services for 16 to 18 year olds. And my doctor had to take him on and in place for the the HSA because he was not he was neither a child nor he was an adult. Now when he went to the adult services, all bets was off because what they do is they cover this was he's an adult he can make a decision for himself under data protection we can't give you any information you know all of this they stonewall you. Now what yeah. I would say to that man is is well I would stonewall them. I'd actually just then go and get a good, good human rights solicitor and fight through the, through the system. They record everything. So you record everything. Every phone call, I wouldn't even make it a phone call. I'd actually write letters every day and post it to them. And they'll soon, once, it, once it's down on paper, even if it's an email, even if you can't afford a stamp, I'd put it in an email and I would hound them. I would hound them. And I guarantee, I guarantee that once they know that something's in front of them, that you're a smart... You see, they don't give people credit. I, I actually would say to you, I applied for the carer's allowance for my son. Now, when my son hit 16, they offered it to me. And because I walked 20 hours, I actually couldn't avail of it. And my son, um, there was a, 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 he got fairly sick one year, and I applied for the carer's allowance. And I was at work, and they said I wasn't entitled to it. 
Now, I had a picture of my son had severed the main artery in his arm. And they had told me I wasn't entitled to the care of the allowance. Now, this is the social welfare. And I said, am I not? Well, I sent them a letter. And I sent them a picture of my son's arm. And I said to them, I said, my son doesn't have sore toes. I said, he tried to, that was the last suicide attempt. Do you know why I was given my care as allowance the following day? Because you have to fight. You have to fight and fight and fight. Like, like you know, you're going, you're going mad with the fight. Yeah, my, my wife was, um, I, I would be classed in COVID times as a frontline worker. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I did a bit of overtime in, in my job because people had to eat. Yeah. And as a result of me working in, as a frontline worker, my wife came up with 12 cents an hour for looking after my son. Our, our care allowance was taken off her. So I was doing yeah, that. And I went to a local TD um, and we got some of it back. But um, that's basically what I was, you know, my son has been treated as a, sec- a second class citizen and he's no service. And I were in the process of getting our new service provider for him and um, we could be waiting another few weeks for this if not months you know what I mean I wrote and I've spoken to sent emails to Anne Mabbit um, and my wife has done in the past and my wife you know is a, you know we're, we're very heavily involved with autism in Cork yeah um, you know we, we've done things in the past to kind of support local schools and and um, I'm not going to go on about what I've done myself. You know, there might be some other thing to do, but, you know, people in Cork would know me and such, so I'm not going to say anything about what I do in Cork. But all I'm saying is my son and my wife, you know, we, which when I was classed as a frontline worker, our carers alone went down to 12 cents an hour for looking after my son, who's 22. That's disgraceful. It's disgraceful. I know. I know. Yes, I know that. And there's more than me. And parents, you know, you know, just just many other parents worse than me. All I can say is another thing I, I will say is when my son was eight years of age, he's now 22, mm-hmm. 14 years ago, I was asked by a social worker, um, a friend of ours, and she always had keys back, uh, put my son's name down on a residential list, which we did, as mm-hmm. we thought. And a year ago, uh, less than a year ago, I met with the HSE manager, disability manager. He told me there was no such thing as a residential list. So um, my heart was ripped out because, you know, I'm 57. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the only thing I would have, you know, when I reached a certain age, if I could look after my son no more, he would be looked after. Were you looking after his future? Sorry? You were looking after his future, looking out yeah. for him. Um, yeah. I, I, I just, I can't believe what I'm here. Well, I can, and I'm just, I'm so heartbroken for everyone. Um, Malcolm, Thomas is joining us on the line now. He has a That's three-year-old right. son who who, ha, um, who has autism, Thomas? Yeah, he has autism there. Um, obviously, the health nurse said it to us, and... Um, Ever since, we are absolutely non-stop trying to get them into places to get them. HSE tell you it's a two-year, three-year waiting list, and then you're waiting a hell of a lot longer, do you know what I mean? 
and then so you're going private. We should not. Nobody should have to go private mm-hmm. to get this uh, this stuff done. You know what I mean? Now, fortunately, we've got a private. How I don't know. It's just come up to us now. This three years later, but it's come up now that we have one date. But this is privately. People, so there's people out there that, excuse me for saying it this way, but they don't have the money to go and be able to do that. There, like, so why should people? Why aren't the services there? Like, what is causing this waiting list for people? Like, it's not. It's hard to plan for the future. Do you know what I mean? Getting them into schools and all very yeah. hard. We tried a school. They said no. You have to have the proper recommendation for it, but. People can't get the recommendation if the waiting lists aren't being seen to. That's the problem too, isn't it? It's like, you okay, we've got you an appointment for this, but you can't make it to that appointment unless you've done that. But you can't do that because you're on a waiting list. Yeah, if you're doing, you're doing one thing, but then you're hitting another brick wall in front of you. You're trying your best. Like Ames there does Ireland. We, Hunter has, our young lad has, the aims that's brilliant for his preschool mm-hmm. but for him starting school next year we have to have all of this done and it's impossible because you're just hitting brick walls constantly waiting list waiting list waiting list waiting list but there's never anything being done about it no and do you know do you know what scares me as well thomas and i i'd say it's so hard having to advocate for your child something that is a right for your child but then i think of people who don't have the advocacy skills what is happening to those children as well? They're just falling through the system. That, and I, I'd more than 100% say as well, what they're, they're being told the same thing. Waiting list, waiting list, waiting list. It's an absolute joke, the system. And I, they say that from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. I, I will say one thing. Hunter's mother is brilliant, brilliant with him. And yeah. thankfully, thankfully, she's there. Every, she knows every movement. She knows when something has bothered him. Because my young lad's non-verbal. Like, he doesn't talk. His, his words are barely coming out now, like. So, for, on top of that, you're trying to get your speech and therapy. Mm. The price of speech and therapy on top of it as well. Yeah. It's through the roof. And then for occupational therapy, like, I can't see why there is a struggle in Ireland. And it's in, it's in all of Ireland, simple as. And yeah. I won't say any more. I won't say counties ran. It's in all of Ireland. Yeah, well, the waiting list—that's the problem—and there's nothing being done about it. The Minister of Health probably—I'm now. I heard a lady saying about emails. I was actually only thinking that this week. Myself and my, I mean, myself and my partner had been speaking about it beforehand. Yeah, but that's—it's it, as the lady said. It's nothing but constant systems and brick walls. You're just meeting stone walls, no matter what. And I, I do feel for the families that. They know, they know what I'm talking about what I'm, when I'm saying it. Mm. What, what's upsetting? Like, I, I think that was a great idea that Terry said as well, though, because, and I know it's more work, but just keeping that email trail, that written trail of, oh, you know, but you never told us. Well, actually, I have an email here going back to this date. This is how long you've known for. But I mentioned this to Rebecca as well. Like, Hunter is three. Yes. You should be spending your time, you know, taking him to all these appointments. But when you're exactly. not at those at, 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 not at those appointments, you should be spending your time with Hunter, enjoying your time as a family, not having to fight and go to bed exhausted, not because Hunter's exhausted you, but because the system has exhausted you. That's unfair. But that's, that's an exact point. Like, at the end of the day, their family know their own children. Yeah. That's, that's just the way it is. 
but for them to be pushed back constantly, that is a joke. Like they're the pe- they're the ones that are going to be. How would they're the future? Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Nile Boylan show. Oh.